Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Thursday. I don't think it's been a Thursday in a while, but time has taken on a strange feeling lately. I don't know if anyone else is feeling that way, but we had that big full moon here in May and the lunar eclipse, and we've had two birthdays this week, Belgium and True, and we're in the middle of all this really exciting, fantastic Indie Birth Institute stuff, which I am going to share a little bit about before talking about twins today. So right, time has taken on a strange feeling for some reason, every day just working hard on this new project. And by working hard, I don't necessarily mean nose to the grindstone, although I did write a pretty lengthy email series today for the Indie Birth Institute website email list. So if you're not on that, I'd love for you to be on that so that you can stay tuned with where we are with the development of this really amazing thing we're trying to manifest. If you've been living under a rock, as I like to say, or just not online, we are calling this place where people will birth in the middle of the forest here in Kentucky. This place will also create more indie birth midwives by way of allowing them hands-on experience and real-life attention as they develop into midwives, which, if you ask me, is way more important than many of the hands-on skills, although I've been talking a lot about how hands-on skills are important. So both of those things are true. But creating this energy at this property, creating this bubble of an experience is what I'm after. I know that it will be this for the women who come there to birth. I know that it will be life-changing. It will be nourishing. It will be beyond their dreams in a sense, as far as the access to nature and the support and the ability they have to really ground themselves and be focused to welcome their special babies into the world. This bubble will extend to the people that are there, the women that are there to get experience. And as I said, it's not just experience. It's not just clinical skills, although those are super important. But allowing these women to play with the idea of being the midwife and how that eventually will look and feel for them which is so different, I think, than any other school, any other birth center, even though I really don't ever want to call this a birth center. 
um, any other certification or or any anything else that creates midwives or thinks they do. Generally, the feeling that I've always gotten from most of these places, and this is a different podcast probably, is the fact that they are creating a assembly line midwife, a one size fits all, a this is what you get. And there's not a whole lot of nurturing of women as they figure out who they are as a midwife, which is so different. I don't need anyone to be me. Margot doesn't need anyone to midwife like she does. We really, truly want to see our students blossom into their full selves and add their gifts to the world as a unique, autonomous individual. I know this Indie Birth Institute will allow women to figure that out, especially if they're able to stay for a little while, or maybe they'll come back, maybe they'll attend some births one month and come back a couple of months later, and then maybe again. We are really open with our students to figuring out how to get the experience and the bubble, this idea of being in a safe bubble, again, to explore and create themselves as midwives. So I am greatly looking forward to the moment that we can say we've manifested it. This beautiful 300 acre property here in Kentucky, it's ours. We are taking responsibility for this land. I really hesitate to ever say own. I don't think any human owns land. So in my mind, we are looking to take responsibility and take a leadership role on this land if the land agrees that we are the right people to occupy it. And that's also super important. I have a little side story about land and ownership quick that I think really does illustrate what I'm going for in the manifestation of this Indie Birth Institute. Yes, on paper, to many people's brains, the way they operate, it is about attracting financial means to do so. In my mind, in my heart, I'm spending most of my time when I say working on this. Um, It's not in that linear brain. It's in an energetic space of picturing it. I've been there now, and that's very big news since last time. (laughs) Dr. Stu and I both went to be on this land to view the property, and it was everything I thought it would be. It was everything I wanted it to be. I was nervous about going because part of me was just wondering if I had built it up, it's really hard to say, right, through a real estate listing, I think. It just doesn't really convey ever, ever the energy of a property. And we have experience in my family, as many of you know, we bought our house here in Kentucky, sight unseen, which we were comfortable with doing for a variety of reasons. But this property being the the cost that it is being uh, for this purpose and involving other people, you know, nobody was interested in just buying it that way. And I really honor and respect that. In fact, I was so glad that Dr. Stu wanted to go see it. He 
you know, he didn't drag me there or anything. I willingly <laughs> drove us, uh, but it was his idea. And I'm really, really grateful to him for just saying it, you know, Hey, if we're really serious about this, we need to go see it. And he was so right. And not even just seeing, you know, not, not seeing just with the eyes, although it was breathtakingly perfect and beautiful. I can't imagine a woman that I know, at least that wouldn't want to birth there. I can't. It's absolutely picturesque. But seeing in the energetic sense, and being on this land, and feeling its power, feeling its ancient energy, feeling its vibe, you know, it was very calm. It was very protective energy. It was very comforting. It felt amazing to be on this land. So in similar communication uh, that I had with the land here behind our house, which is the story I wanted to share, um, I said, you know, to this land, to this beautiful 300 acres as best as I could, I feel you, you know, I feel your energy and you don't know me or maybe you do. Maybe I've been here before, <laughs> but here is my intention. Here is what I picture could happen on this land if you allow it, if you invite us in. And yes, everything I said is true. It is about women coming and birthing in their power and having an autonomous birth. It is about training midwives and having them experience themselves. It is about breach training. It is all of those things on paper, but at its deepest root, at least for me, as sort of the lead person in this manifestation, it's about welcoming souls in. The babies that are coming in are incredible. And I don't work with all of them, obviously. I work with the ones that are, in my opinion, in my experience, super special in a million ways. And this location would be a very specific way and place and energy to welcome these souls in. So that's what I said to the land. Again, you know, this is our plan. And it's really up to the land. And it's up to the souls. It's up to things out of my control. If this is what is to be, if this is what is meant to be for this purpose, then it will happen. And it really isn't about money at that point. And it really isn't about that at the deepest level. It's about being given permission from the universe, from these souls, from this land to create what we want to create. And if it's not the right place, then it's not going to happen. And there's a place where this is going to happen. And if it is the right place, it's going to continue to unfold easily and simply and beautifully. So I do not doubt that. On to my quick story before we get into twins. We have land behind our house. Many of you have heard this spiel here and there on podcasts. The short version, we bought our house on a couple of acres, not knowing, because again, sight unseen, not knowing that there was four acres behind the house for sale. We didn't know that. And at one point, the land behind had been attached to this property. So at some point, 
and we know who it was this man that lives here in this town he's an older man he used to live in this house a couple of owners ago and as the story goes at one point when he sold the house he divided this land behind with the house so hopefully that makes sense so you know at one point it was one property and I felt that even without knowing that like I've gone out on this land because it's right here I mean we can easily walk on it and I've spent the time in conversation with the land and even just the energy is so clear it, it had this strange like orphaned feeling in a way like it didn't belong uh, it didn't quite belong anymore with this property but it felt just sort of alone and like where did it go so since we've been in this house which has nearly been a year which is so crazy we've had a bunch of really weird awkward-ish angering at times interaction with this man who still owns this land again long story made short just coming up a lot to the land um which is very disruptive when you have 10 children and, and you really thought you were going to have privacy. So it has definitely brought up some frustration and anger on my part over the last year. And he's been trying to sell it or so he told us. And he's been trying to sell it for many, many years. It was some internal work for sure to just recognize my own patterns and to really make it an experience that I could shift for myself because I know well enough after having had experiences like this, that the worst thing you can do is focus on whatever's making you feel frustrated or angry or kind of like a victim. And I definitely felt those things like, oh, poor us. Like we don't have any privacy. What if this man you know, he's flying up the driveway. What if he, what if there's a kid out there playing? Like all kinds of things were going through my head and they were very defensive. At one point, I even did some legal research. I called a lawyer just like, hey, you know, what are our rights? Um, should he sell the land? Because this driveway is shared. So there are some other details. But basically, uh, I've allowed it to be sort of a negative experience for myself, which has been a project. It's been just a, you know, being transparent and honest, like it's been something I've had to work through. <sighs> a couple months ago, I decided that I was going to shift my perspective and sort of give up control in a way like, whatever, dude, you know, you sell it, you sell it, like, I can't control that. And Maybe we're not supposed to have it. Maybe someone else is supposed to buy this land. Maybe they'll become our best friend. Like, who knows? So just giving up control and not holding on to something in a way. And back to the original thread of conversation with the land and how magical that is. I did talk with the land many times as I've shared and just kind of said what I have shared with you already and also did some bleeding on the land. So monthly bleeding, menstrual cycle, whatever you want to call it, going out on the land and it's pretty private already. So no big deal there, but just allowing some blood to fall, to flow onto the land with a prayer. Knowing that our blood is so powerful, it's life. There are stem cells in there. It comes out of our body. It is our life force and it's what 
creates a pregnancy, right? It's what we're left with when we're through with a pregnancy. Um, and when we're not pregnant, every month is such a powerful opportunity for deliberately using our power in that way. And I can't believe I haven't done this before. So I got the idea. Like I said, it was a couple months in a row um, with this prayer of this land is fertile. Like my body is fertile. This is a sign of fertility. This is a sign of life. This land is fertile. Um, we want to add life to this land. Again, we don't want to own it, even though I guess I could look that way on paper. I didn't use those words. We don't want to own you. We don't believe we have that right, but we'd love to care for you. We'd love to take responsibility for your growth and use you with your permission for extended growth and life for our family. So being clear about my intention, which is not to build anything, uh, I don't think so, at least not anytime soon, but a respect for the land and really just having it for privacy and maybe growing things, maybe gardening uh, and or just kids and, and people to be on. So just allowing life to be. So that was a couple months ago. I made sure to bleed onto the land directly. I was instructed by my mentor to also bleed onto quartz, uh, which there is quite a bit here. And being the seer that my mentor is, she told me, oh, there's quartz um, on the land, you know, in this corner. And she was right. So I made a habit of kind of bleeding onto this rock that then flowed onto the land. And, you know, it's a tiny bit, really, when you look at it. And it's so powerful. It's really so beautiful and powerful to, like, see your blood hit the earth when that's where it belongs, right? It's like we do all the things and bleed into all kinds of <laughs> containers, but really um, it belongs on the earth and it's so nourishing for the earth and it ties us to the land. It actually makes it so that the land knows us and remembers us. So it's a win-win. It's a gift to the land. It's said with a prayer and it's very connective and meaningful, I think. And that was that. So that was a couple months ago. And just kind of forgot in a way, I mean, I was doing it, but I wasn't focusing anymore on this guy on this land or whatever. I just was doing my little ritual. And just the other day, on the very auspicious day that I also went to see this gorgeous property with Dr. Stu, um, as he and I were in the car getting ready to leave, my husband was in conversation, literally in conversation with the guy that owns the land. He had driven up and they were talking and I just kind of drove away with Stu in the car and thought, oh, wow, well, you know, here he is again. Wonder what's happening today. And Jason, my husband, texted me later and just said, your blood magic worked. <laughs> I was like, I don't get a text like that every day, right? And so it did. And maybe you'll call it a coincidence, but I don't. I know how powerful I am and I know how powerful all of us are. And I'm really, really grateful that I even had that idea or, or the opportunity. Um, and I'm mostly grateful that I'm just surrounded by people close to me in my life that understand this perspective because there's no use just pining away for something, anything at all, 
whether it's land or a house, um, I've learned very, very deeply over the last year, and, and I'm sure it was in process before that, that the best way to create what you want is really to give and imagine it happening and holding the energy of it already being done. So that's different. You know, that's different for me. That's not how I grew up. Um, My dad, God love him, especially, is an Italian guy. And he's super negative. I mean, I call him negative Nelly. And gosh, you know, everything is the worst case scenario. Like that's how he was raised. That's how my grandparents raised him. And it's kind of a joke almost to me because it's so predictable. Everything is surface level. Everything is, oh, well, that's too expensive. You're never going to, you know, you'll never do that. Um, And so anyway, I'm blabbing on and on. But for people that are finding themselves sometimes caught in that dilemma of like, oh, well, the world tells me I can't do that thing. I can't have that thing, no matter what it is. Uh, If you are in the right space, if you approach it differently, and if it's meant to be, of course, you will attract it. It will be just as natural as getting up in the morning. Um, And it's not a fight. It's not an energetic fight. So that's what happened. And we don't own this land. And it might take a while to work out because it might. And that's fine. We're not in a rush. So anyway, the guy ended up saying to my husband, complete about face from his former um, display of personality, which was not very pleasant. I guess he was very pleasant. And it could just be that it was timing, you know, things shift at certain times in the year, Um, whatever it was, this man kind of was different. And he said, the land belongs with this house. And so you know, basically, what can we work out, which is really awesome, because he had been really, really not in agreement with anything before now. Um, He didn't want to sell it to us, you know, because we didn't want to pay X amount or whatever. He had the way he needed it to go, and he was inflexible. So um, I guess I should have started with that. But that's why it just was feeling like a brick wall. But things have changed and he apparently has changed or something. The energy has shifted. Oh, and I had said to the land, this is the last thing I'll say, but I had said to this land when I was bleeding and all of the things, if you want us to take care of you, then you need to help us out. We need something to happen that allows an opening. So it's the same with this birth property. I said the same thing. And I really believe that if it's the right place, this will also turn out in a similar way. I can't say when, I can't say how, but the intention, the energetic intention has been majorly set. If that land wants us, wants Indie Birth, wants this team, wants these babies, wants these mothers, wants to be this place for this purpose, then it'll help us out. There will be an opening and I don't know how, and it's not my job to think of how. Really, I'm holding it down as best I can with my vision and my wonderful colleagues and husband even. They're the ones that will work out the details. That's just how it's going to be. I just know it. So thanks for listening to that. It took me a good deal of time to tell you that whole story, but I hope that it was inspiring in the ways that it needed to be and that you all realize how incredibly powerful you are 
at manifesting your own reality. Um, yeah, I just don't know another way of saying it. And of course, you know, it's all for the highest good. This isn't about like manipulating anyone else's experience or, you know, taking from someone or altering any anybody else's course other than your own. So taking full responsibility for that and always leaving it up to the highest good for the good of all is always the way these prayers end. That if there's anything not aligned for anyone involved, then it doesn't get forced. So you really don't have to worry about that. Okay. So I'm going to spend a couple minutes here talking about twins, <sighs> which sounds kind of fun, really. I asked on our social network just an hour ago or so if anybody had any ideas. And Hope, who's a lovely doula here in Kentucky, um, asked me to talk about twins. So I'm excited because I think I'll be inviting more twin experience into my life just by doing this. Remember how powerful the word is and the intention. Also, with our Indie Birth Institute, having Dr. Stu on board, certainly we will have probably lots of twin births. So I'm really excited to delve more into this topic and share what I know, which you know, isn't, I won't say it's not a lot. I mean, I think I do know a lot about most birth topics, but I wouldn't call myself an expert, pure and simple. I'm a midwife and I've attended a handful of women with twins at home. They've all been really awesome experiences. Um, so I have what I think, I have what I know, and of course there's always more to know. Some thoughts from my experience. Most women who have twins or are pregnant with twins do not seek out home birth unless they are already home birthers. That's my experience. I know there are lots of first-time moms out there with twins, so obviously they don't fit in that box, but I'm saying really generally, like so many women have twins, so many, and there's not a lot of midwives that have a ton of experience because there is so much programming, like it's making my head hurt even thinking about it. There's so much programming around being pregnant with twins that most women are just scared to death. This is not quite about twin birth per se, but an interesting thought I had was the funny idea that a lot of women have that they have twins. I don't know what you think. I don't know if that's been anyone's experience here. So what I'm saying is women that maybe wind up only having one baby inside of them at that time, uh, they're convinced they have twins earlier in their pregnancy or maybe even later. And I don't know why I know so many people like that. I don't know if it's because generally the people I would know don't get routine ultrasounds. So there's this amount of unknown, right? Uh, amount of guessing because they don't really know for sure. So I'm not quite sure that that is prevalent out in the world where women are getting routine ultrasounds at six weeks, because if they are, they know they don't have twins if they don't, and they're not really fantasizing about it. But there's something about the home birthing community. I've seen it all the time and I kind of chuckle and you know, can you shut the door? Okay. I'm recording something. Man, when kids come in, 
How annoying. That was Ever. Sorry, Ever. She didn't know. Anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, just this funny thing where everybody thinks they have twins. Um, and I chuckle because it's rarely the case. And I don't have statistics on me. So you can go Google how many pregnancies, um, you know, are twin pregnancies. But still, most women aren't going to have twins when they think they do. And funny enough, in my experience, it's been the women that don't think they do that do. <laughs> so go figure that one. But as to why, I don't know. Maybe it just sounds really fun or extra exciting if you're already a birth nerd to have two. Uh, why is everyone obsessed with twins? I don't know. Measuring big is another obsession that I'm not going to go into exactly. I have a podcast on fundal height. And I usually send that to people if they're like, oh, I think I have twins. I'm, you know, it's classic all the time classic. Um, I'm 16 weeks and, you know, my uterus is measuring 20. It's like, yeah, uh, if you've had a couple of babies, that's very normal. And we don't measure a uterus generally until at least 20 weeks. And again, funny, many women with twins, um, or not many, but like, it's not totally uncommon for women with twins to not measure super large in my experience. Like they might at some point, but I'm talking about, you know, at various points in the pregnancy. So the obsession, I don't know, you can see what you think, you can think on that if you want to. You can tell me, I'd love to hear why are women obsessed with having twins? Is it just like so overwhelming? And they can't imagine it? I don't know. I know for me, um, I definitely have thought the same. So I'm not immune to that. I definitely have had the thought because I've had a lot of babies and generally it's multips or, you know, women that have had a lot of babies that do get pregnant with twins. So definitely earlier in my pregnancies, I've wondered, but because I know my body so well at this point, you know, I've never had unusual growth. So I've never really thought I did. And, and this only goes for women that have had babies. For me, when I felt my single baby move in my body, I could tell it was one baby. Like you can feel, <laughs> I think, that things are attached, right? So um, I imagine it's different with twins. I don't know. I've not been pregnant with twins myself, at least that I know about. Um, I mean, I've had a couple of losses, so that's why I'm saying that. But I don't know what that feels like. I'd imagine it feels really crazy to feel two people moving and to feel that they're not moving from the same trunk, right? Or the same butt, like, you know what I'm saying. So if you haven't had a baby, I can understand how maybe you don't have that to compare to. But if you have, that's something I don't really understand. So women that are like, oh, I have twins, and this is my fifth pregnancy, but I don't know if I do. It just feels like I do. All of those women, they never do. Never, 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 never. But surprise twins, that's a really fun topic. And maybe I'm feeling inspired by that because I think twice on Instagram this week, somehow I came across surprise twin posts. And I won't lie, they're fascinating. The one was fascinating. I mean, they were babies like six and seven. She'd obviously been pregnant before. And it was so fun reading the posts before, before she birthed, where she didn't know. So in there is two babies. She doesn't know. She's saying like, oh, we can't wait for our baby to come having no idea. Now, of course, 
I don't know this woman. I don't know any of these women, the ones on Instagram that have had surprise twins. So I wonder, did they know? Did they have dreams? You know, like, was there any inkling? Like, really? Did one baby come out? And as she's holding the one baby in the pool, like complete and total shock to birth another baby. Can you imagine? Sharing a quick story, my very first client ever as a midwife, and actually, I mean, I was technically still a student. Uh, Gosh, that baby's got to be 16 by now. But this woman at the time, super young, beautiful girl, um, you know, out in the country of Indiana, first pregnancy, just nice, strong, healthy woman, had a great birth of her first baby. And then after that, we moved to Arizona and I got a license and all that nonsense. But this woman and I stayed in touch at least for a while. I haven't talked to her in many years, but she's definitely not someone that is online or anything. So at one point, uh, after I moved to Arizona, a couple years after she found my number and she called me and she was like, do you remember me? Yes, of course I remember you. She said, I have the craziest story I want to tell you. So she said, I got pregnant again. You know, her little girl was a couple of years old. I got pregnant again. And I had dreams of having twins. I had dreams of having two girls. And she didn't have a midwife. She felt pretty confident and was just going to maybe have an unassisted birth or whatever. This is a very laid back woman. And just went through her pregnancy. You know, no prenatal care, just eating well and working on her farm and all the things. And uh, she said, because I asked specifically if uh, her belly was a lot bigger with this one. And she said, no, not really, not really at all. Towards the end, I don't really remember how she decided to call a midwife, but she did. Maybe she met one randomly or something and was like, hey, um, you know, would you feel my belly? And the midwife did. And she was like, huh. So long story short. They, I think without ultrasound, just sort of confirmed as best they could that there were probably two babies in there. And this woman was still apparently really relaxed and just said, okay, well, cool. And maybe you should come to my birth then because I don't know how it is to birth twins. And so she did. So she did birth two girls, both breech, and I think eight plus pounds each. She had bigger babies anyway. What a great story. What a great story. So definitely the surprise ones blow my mind. And, you know, as midwives uh, with clients that don't get routine ultrasounds, I would say it's up to the woman. And if she's not eating well, or there's something that I would be concerned about with too, then maybe you have better boundaries with that. And, you know, you say, hey, uh, if I'm going to be your midwife, I really need to know. But if a woman's eating well and, you know, especially she's had babies before, etc., there are going to be women that don't want an ultrasound and you're going to have to go with it if you're going to work with her and vice versa. So I know some of my elder midwives, I can think of one um, that she's, been a midwife for many sets of twins. And, you know, this is 30 plus years of experience she has. And many of them, um, well, I shouldn't say many, but like, a lot of them, 
weren't known through ultrasound. So I remember specifically talking to this midwife once on the phone and she said to me, oh, I'm headed to a birth. Uh, it's either a really big baby or it's two. And I think it turned out to be one really big baby. But I thought at that moment, I was a student like, holy cow, uh, if this midwife doesn't know, you know, how am I ever supposed to know? And I don't know that we are. I think sometimes we're not supposed to know. And I would say, I guess sometimes the mama isn't supposed to know. Again, I'd still be curious if she had an inkling or, you know, anything that told her. But I do truly believe that some will be a complete surprise without routine ultrasound uh, because sometimes and this is more clinical, but sometimes it's not possible to palpate both babies. I've had the couple experiences where it is. There's kind of a baby on each side of the uterus, her left, her right, pretty easy. Uh, But it seems like the surprise stories are probably cases where the babies are lying um, behind one another, right? So they're not both palpable. And that's that. So back to kind of some myths and all of that. Um, It seems that twin pregnancies and births are so controlled by the fear thought form of the medicalized model that twin mamas are probably extra bombarded with the bad news is what I see. Um, And few seek out what they truly want and their options. So, you know, classic scenario They go in for that first ultrasound, they see two, and from that moment on, it's crazy. They're in there all the time, serial ultrasounds, which of course are not good, most likely, for anybody growing, much less two beings. No counseling on nutrition, no nothing, no nothing, other than you're headed for a C-section, probably, uh, unless you happen to have a doctor that has experience, but then they get into, oh, well, the first twin's in this position and the second twin's this, and we can't do this and we can't do that. And if you are going to birth vaginally, you're going to be in the ER, like everything is bad news. So why do women choose that? Why do women choose this medicalized version? Fear. They're fear. They're fearful. And I've never been pregnant with twins, so... I don't think I would go that direction. Uh, in fact, I'm 99% sure of it. But I don't know what that feels like. I imagine it is just an even bigger responsibility, right? Duh, to have two babies in you that you're responsible for. And if women just believe it without questioning it that, oh, this is dangerous. Oh, this is high risk. Oh, this will happen. That will happen. I mean, all of the horror stories, then yeah, they want the medical system on their side. And of course, we know as listeners of this podcast, that usually that ends up interfering with their experience. I do have another podcast on being high risk. So I would love for anyone interested in this idea of high risk to listen to that one, because I actually think if I can recall what I said many years ago, I think I used twins as an example because I think I had been working with a twin mama at that point when I recorded it Um, because I was on fire, like high risk. What does that even mean? And risk of death. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. Risk of things going wrong. Yes. Um, Why? Why is there more? Why is it more likely for something to go wrong when you have twins other than it's just math? Like (laughs) because there's twice as many people. So twice as many things to go wrong. It's, really curious. 
Although I will talk a little bit about where I think there are some weak spots potentially if someone is pregnant with twins and where they might want to focus to have the healthiest experience. But again, this medicalized, just label slapped on high risk is silly, of course, and there's more to investigate as always. As a midwife, there are definitely different types of twins that I would be comfortable with and some that I would not. So I will leave the real clinical types of twins discussion out of this. That's midwifery school. But the long and short of it is if there's only one placenta, so not a fused placenta, not two that became one, but only one placenta, um, that may be more risky if the babies are sharing an amnion and a chorion. So those are the two separate sacs of the amniotic sac. Um, if two babies are sharing both of those, there's definitely some increased risks and primarily you know, it's around growth and, you know, are they growing similarly and all of that. Um, as a midwife, I don't know that I'm so comfortable with monitoring that. So it doesn't mean I wouldn't attend a birth per se, um, but I would be comfortable with someone getting ultrasounds in that case. Maybe not serial ultrasounds, but at certain times of gestation to see what's going on because, our hands are skilled, supposedly, with fetal weight and all of that, but again, uh, there are more risks inherent with certain types of twins. So again, before we slap on the high-risk label, figure out what's going on and act accordingly. If a woman, in my opinion, is growing, you know, obviously two separate babies, but two separate babies kind of at the same time, it's different. It's a different scenario. Um, let's see. Also, if a woman has had vaginal births, has had babies before, and she gets pregnant naturally with twins, it also seems to me like a no-brainer to help her if other requirements are met. And I'm going to talk about nourishment and all of that. So the long and short of this part is I think we're making a mountain out of a molehill in a sense. It's like anything in birth. Yes, there are things that could go wrong, but most of the time they don't with healthy people. And women that are interested and curious and dedicated to their own health and development, like those things do go together. And, you know, that's a very privileged place to be in the world. Of course, not every woman has access to great food or, you know, whatever, working on different things. But we mostly do, mostly, mostly in this culture. So I think if all of those things are a go, then twins aren't a big deal. And I don't say that with a cavalier attitude. You know, I don't, I don't, because there's always going to be somebody that wants to tell you their bad story. And they're not wrong, right? Every experience is an experience and I'm not here to ever negate someone's experience or invalidate it. But in the bigger picture of things, if a woman is healthy, if again, she meets the requirements that I've set and that I've talked about and her mind is in the right place with this again. So if she's fearful, if she thinks this is a disaster, if she's scared, if she thinks twins belong in the hospital, 
then she's not the right candidate for a birth at home anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if she has one baby or two. Like women in that mindset, in that mind space, are not appropriate for home birth. So why would we force them? And again, if most women having twins are or seemingly are in that place, then they're happening in the hospital. And then they're also providing information to the medicalized world that is skewed to what the medicalized world believes anyway. So, you know, if twins always come early, which is one of the stupid myths, it's a self-perpetuating myth because those women in that setting most likely aren't getting prenatal care at all. That's good or healthy. And they're not eating well, and they're not getting enough calories, and they go into preterm labor because they have two babies to feed and they haven't done it. So it's just um, a self-fulfilling prophecy when the medicalized model christens women. And that's the wrong word because it's not really positive. It's like labels them, stamps them with this thing, with this myth. So that's definitely one of them um, is that twins come early or they need to be sooner uh, born sooner. And again, I don't feel that that makes any sense at all in the world that I'm in. Because a full term baby is always the goal. Again, one baby, two babies doesn't matter. Full term is the goal. We want a baby that has its fat on it, fat stores. We want a baby whose brain or babies whose brains are developed. We want babies who can breathe outside of the womb. So full term is always the goal. Why would we induce twins sooner? That is possibly one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But again, many of those women in the medical setting likely are going into preterm labor. I don't know. I don't have statistics on that. I'm just guessing that because the nutrition isn't there, that they often are born early and super tiny. And that just perpetuates this myth that twins are dangerous and they're always born early and they need help and they need to be in the NICU. When, if you've ever met a mom that had twins at home, it's the exact opposite. They're, you know, fat, <laughs> fat and healthy and breathing great. So um, if the fear is that babies will come early with twins, um, I don't think that's crazy. I think the fear comes from a misunderstanding of what the body needs to provide for two babies. And in working with twin moms, I'd say the biggest job as the midwife is nutrition. And of course, the mom has a bigger job. She actually has to eat the food and she has to have the motivation to eat the food and she has to have the support and money to buy the food. So she has the way bigger job. But as a midwife, it's still a huge undertaking. And without exception, I will and would only work with pregnant women that understand that to the best of their ability and are willing to make it their full-time job to eat. There's absolutely no exception to that. The last thing I would want is to work with a mom that has twins and goes into preterm labor because she's not nourished. And I've had that happen, of course. And that's, you know, where I've drawn that boundary. Um, and that mom actually had a beautiful birth in the hospital. It was a vaginal birth. One was even breached. Like she did great. But after that, I said, you know what, absolutely no um, negotiation on that, because it's common sense. We know what it takes to grow one baby. And if you don't, then 
you do that amount of learning and research. I guess it is a little confusing perhaps for a mom that hasn't been pregnant before. She doesn't know what it is to grow one baby. How could she know what it is to grow two? She only can rely on her body, how it's feeling, how her babies are growing, um, and perhaps the support of a midwife and nutritional counseling to really get what she needs. Most women undereat in pregnancy. That again is almost without fail. One baby or two, most women undereat in my experience. So again, with two, you must. You must dedicate your nine months to nourishment and taking care of yourself and seriously being committed to not just your physical health, but your emotional health, um, all of it. And again, many women can't or won't, I'm not sure, which they can't do this with one baby. They're not interested. I had a woman come just this week who reported that 36 weeks in to her pregnancy here, um, she's only eating one meal a day. And that's super sad for me as a midwife because a huge opportunity has been lost. It's been totally lost. You can't undo 36 weeks of not eating. And as a midwife, it's not something I will be involved in because there's too many after effects of not being nourished. It's possibly lifelong effects on a woman's health and her baby's health, not to mention sort of the catastrophes that are possible at that birth and in that postpartum. So if many average women aren't really getting that information for one baby. They certainly don't have it for two. And then there's not just the info, but there's the sheer willingness, the sheer willingness and determination to take care of themselves. And that is a multi-layered issue. It goes into nourishment being not just food, but self-worth even. Like when a woman doesn't feed herself, I really have to ask myself, what is going on? And if I will be in the know of what is going on, because that goes against what is needed on a physical level to grow a baby and a placenta. So um, just blabbing on that if you have two babies, if a woman has two babies, it is a serious undertaking and not one that I would take lightly. The goal of a twin pregnancy in my opinion, from the midwife's point of view, is to make it to term. And yes, 36 weeks might be term for a twin mama. Um, I can think of one of my clients that had her babies 36 weeks on the dot, and everything was great. So, you know, so be it. Um, it's possible that twins mature or grow faster, perhaps than a singleton. But again, it comes back to nutrition. And if you just scroll the internets, even social media with home birth midwives, um, you'll see that most of the twin mamas, at least that they're sharing about, go to term. They go to 40 weeks. They even go to 41 weeks, right? It's not crazy. So if one woman can do it and, you know, she does it and she had a great healthy pregnancy, then women can do it. Women can grow two babies and go to full term and have all the amazing benefits of a full-term healthy birth with two rather than one. 
So nourishment and nutrition and all of that that goes into a woman taking care of herself is really paramount. And again, if someone doesn't know that, if they're not interested in that, then perhaps the medical world is the more suitable place for their twin pregnancy. With the twin mamas I've supported, it's not just food going in, although that's beyond important, but it's managing their own energy and reserves. Uh, It's obvious, I think, that they get tired a lot sooner. Um, Sometimes iron levels are an issue. Sometimes it's just pure energy. Again, remember, most women with twins are grand multips. They've had children before, so they're probably caring for three, four, five, six children while they're pregnant with twins. And that is huge. No pun intended. Uh, It's a huge responsibility if you're the sole caretaker of your children, especially, you know, during the day, if you have a partner that works and you're pregnant with twins, like those women need so much support and nutrition is only a piece of it. So as the midwife being there for someone in those ways, um, encouraging her to ask for help, you know, not running around all day long if she can help it or being in a car eight hours a day or anything crazy like that, treating her body differently because each pregnancy we have really does take more of us. And I say this to people almost on a daily basis and just for normal third baby, like singleton third baby, um, your body needs more this time than it did the first two times. So can you imagine, right? I mean, I think about it. If I were to get pregnant with twins now, right, that would be babies 11 and 12. And I won't lie, I'd be a little um, intimidated by what I think I would probably have to eat. But I would do it. I would do it because I would not want preterm twins. No way. Uh, Finally, sort of finally, I think there's definitely the very fascinating, just energetic and spiritual component of having two bodies in your body two souls incarnating that could be and likely are very different. Again, I don't know the way that feels, but I'm sure it's interesting. And, you know, once in a lifetime thing and and definitely not something that every woman gets to experience. Just the idea of having three people in one body is kind of wild, isn't it? So just respect and awe. And maybe that's, you know, back to the beginning, like when people are so into this idea of twins, maybe this is where it comes from. Just this wacky, crazy mystery that could possibly happen where three people wind up in the same body and one woman is growing two little babies. It's really amazing when you think about it like that. Um, Preparing for the postpartum is definitely a component of twin pregnancies that I'm sure gets neglected and I've seen it. And I've learned this, actually, from the twin mamas I've served. Um, The couple of them, you know, like I said, they were babies, five, six, seven, something like that. And they knew what it took to breastfeed one baby. So they had that knowledge. And I remember one of the twin moms saying to me, you know, (laughs) it was not that hard to be pregnant with both of them. Really, the birth was great. wasn't that hard. But this, this is hard. Breastfeeding two babies is hard because nobody can help me with it. Um, You know, my family can help take one baby maybe while I nurse another. And I remember her recounting kind of what she had figured out, which for her at that time, 
and if I remember this was fairly early postpartum, she figured out that it felt better to her to nurse each baby separately. That she really was missing that one-on-one time that you get with a singleton, and she wasn't really enjoying nursing them both at once. It felt too much, and it felt like she couldn't get to know them. So again, I don't have my own personal experience, but these women have taught me so much, and I imagine going forward, there's so much to learn from moms with twins. But it did instill in me the desire to help more with postpartum planning when someone does have twins, whether it's their first two babies or whatever, because caring for your own body, being able to make enough milk, again, nutrition, having support, breastfeeding, um, sleep, like everything, definitely seems doubly as challenging. And for many of us, self-included, the postpartum is a challenge. Like it's fun, sort of, And it's also just a crack you open kind of rebuilding yourself experience. So I really, really honor the mamas that do have twins and go on to birth them and nurse both of them. It does. It sounds like a lot. So to kind of wrap it up, uh, there's a lot to consider, of course, in this experience, I'm sure. But we could look at twin birth as just a birth of a baby and then another baby. I'm not saying there aren't concerns. I'm not saying there aren't clinical things to think about. We have an entire course on twins in our Indie Birth Midwifery School with all kinds of experts sharing their experience. And definitely there are things that can happen. So thinking about timing when one baby has been born and there's another one still in the uterus. We don't necessarily know what to expect position-wise in any case. You know, we think we know baby A, baby B, but anything can happen, especially for the second baby. Any position is possible, so we have to be ready for anything. Another myth, and I think this is a myth, but truly I don't have the experience at this point to uh, completely debate this, is that some people feel that postpartum hemorrhage is more likely with twins. I'm pretty sure my friend Dr. Stu feels this way, and I would not argue with his experience for sure. However, I would say that the midwifery mindset is different for sure, uh, and I wouldn't want to be overconfident about that. I know the couple of sets of twins I have attended, um, you know, I'm mindful that bleeding could occur, but I haven't seen it. So not to say it couldn't happen, but I think there's definitely a lot more to consider there from mindset and emotional work uh, down to nutrition and all of that. But I suppose the just really practical reason that people think that is more likely is because the uterus gets sort of stretched out, right? It's really large for two babies and, and sometimes two placentas and the rapid change in Um, contents, right? So we have one birth and we have the second, the rapid, what's the word I'm looking for, like probably the change in pressure, perhaps, and, you know, just this sort of giant stretched out uterus, uh, some people feel like it's less likely to contract well, hence more bleeding. So again, I am not in agreement with that at this moment, but I'm also still learning and would be ready for it, you know, would definitely be ready for it. But At this point, 
um, I'm welcoming more experience. So come my way, breech mamas. Come my way, twin mamas that are healthy and want to take on the challenge of taking care of themselves and birthing at home. That would be a lovely, lovely challenge. All right, everybody, that got kind of long, almost an hour here. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to check out the Indie Birth Institute site. It's IndieBirthInstitute.org. You can watch our trailer video and share it, which it is so good. Jason made it. It's so good. You'll cry. And watch the videos from me, from Margo, from Nathan, from Stu, and share it. Share it, share it, share it. Uh, Yes, we are looking for financial backing, but I'm also, as I said at the very beginning, very interested in the energetic imprint that this vision can make on the world. So share my vision, share our vision, share this amazing project, and I'll keep you updated. Lots of love and have a beautiful week.